Another Friday. Another Friday. I always like it when it's Friday. Friday is always, I don't know what it is. I don't know what I'd call it. <laughs> I don't know what I'd call it, especially when it's overcast. I really, I really like for Fridays to be sunny. Um, the common, excuse me, the carpro.com talk line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. Streaming live on the WORD Facebook page, if that's your thing. How many of you guys remember last month on Valentine's Day when Ohio Republican Mike Turner, the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee that heretofore I'd never heard of, said in a statement that his panel had made available to all members of Congress information concerning a serious national security threat. Now, one thing that you should understand about military development is that we develop something and then the Chinese steal it and try to copy it and the Russians become aware of it and try to copy it. Or sometimes maybe they're first, or sometimes maybe the other one is first. But we are always aware of what the other one is doing, and we're always trying to copy them. And that's because we have embedded, and they have embedded within the various organizations that do these things, their own little spies that report back to them. It has always been this way. And until we figure out a way to read someone's mind, it will always be this way. So... There are no shocking revelations. Now, if I go outside and I'm checking the mail and suddenly one of those UFOs from Independence Day materialize over my head, yes, that's a shocking revelation. But anything short of that is not militarily. Now, right after this happened, Republican Congressman Andy Ogles from Tennessee demanded that Mike Johnson open a probe into the impact of Mr. Turner's call for President Biden to go public with a national security threat that caught lawmakers in the White House by surprise. It is a national security threat right now to have an open border. It is a national security threat to ban weapons. Did you know that? During the, quote, assault weapon ban, the everybody stopped developing for the manned portable platform. And what we started the probe with is what we came out the other end 10 years later with, the M16A2, which was okay. <laughs> it was okay. It wasn't my favorite. But it got so bad that it was becoming a matter of uh, national security because our guys were not, they, they benefited nothing from no development whatsoever in the private sector. So, the national security threat thing, that's, that's, a, that's a dog whistle, okay? That's a dog whistle intended for you. And it turns out that earlier that month in Kiev, Mr. Turner assured Ukrainian President Zelensky that the U.S. stands in full support of Ukraine and is working diligently to secure funding necessary for his country to defend itself against Russian aggression. Which, what we're doing with Ukraine right now is bordering on inhumane. We're not giving them enough to make a difference all they're able to do is just prolong it along over and over and over and over. And I have to think there's probably some money laundering going on in there with all these billions of dollars being thrown around. So this was actually a ploy, as it turns out, 
to try to get some sort of leverage on funding the war in Ukraine. Prior to the release of his statement, Representative Turner, Republican, cleared the statement with the White House. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan spilled the beans further when his public address from the briefing room, he suggested that no worry, nobody worry about this. And he said the more important thing is to continue funding Ukraine. Mike Johnson said there's no need for public alarm. Having been caught in a lie, Secretary of State Antony Blinken had to say the same thing. And there you have it. This is how politicians manipulate facts to get you to. And I don't even know why they would say that. You know? Well, yeah, I do. They, 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 say, they do it this way because they do have to get reelected. And in the House, they're up for reelection every two years. So they, they have a year to do work, and then they have a year to try to run for, for, for re-election. And, um, you know, so they're getting out there and they're saying things and trying to look like they're doing something. I would happily re-elect somebody who did nothing, who just stopped, you know, just stopped, stopped whatever is going on. When I say do nothing, no, you don't get to sit back there and just say, yep, I'm just making my paycheck. I'm just making my paycheck. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that was just a that was just a way to manipulate it, make it look like something, and to cause you alarm. See, in the event of anything really bad happening with the Soviets or the Chinese, if they decide to go nuclear, we don't have we don't have an hour. What does it take, 28, 32 minutes for an ICBM to make it to the, from there to here? And, oh, yes, we'll shoot some of them down without a doubt. And there will be some that get through. Because that's what happens. So whenever somebody's out there talking about an imminent threat, I look at things today and I say to myself, that is really suspect to me. So, and make no mistake about it, we and Russia and China are working on new space technology that could be used in a conflict. Now, Russia is nowhere near deploying any of this. Chinese are not much better. And, uh, you know, we haven't gotten to this yet. China's in the same loop. But the, you know, we said we have this thing called the outer outer space treaty of 1967 one of the reasons they started they stopped doing these airburst tests of nuclear weapons was because of the EMP because they didn't know that was there for a while so then when they started having issues and i mean they not only would they have issues here on the ground they would have issues in space with these satellites so they stopped all of that because we were shooting ourselves in the foot so was russia I, I, I would I would love to know how many things got disrupted when they tried when they tested the Tsar Bomba, because that was huge. So when when there's going to be talk of a World War III coming the next time, if we're not hearing about some historic summit where the US and the Russians and the Chinese are going to something like Yalta 2.0, then it very likely is uh not actually a thing. Very likely not a thing. And, you know, 
we had it. We've already had Yalta 1.0. That was held February 4th through 11th, 1945, by the heads of uh, the United States, the United Kingdom, and the Soviet Union. And that has laid the groundwork to avoid World War III for almost 80 years. Now, with Biden in the White House, he's not really running this. The deep state's running this. And I, I would, you know, Donald Trump getting in, he would be much more active and hands-on with this kind of thing. But uh, to his credit, Biden has instructed his foreign policy team to enter into negotiations with Russia on space security. But if Russia goes along with that, they're going to throw in the whole thing about that. Well, we want to include some talks on Ukraine with this. So, yeah, there's things going on, but it's not what it seems to be. And most of it seems to be more in, in you know, to uh, get to get to various uh, negotiation tables when it comes to the Ukraine-Russian war on both sides. On both sides. Which, you know, Biden already made the Ukraine war possible. So why wouldn't he get involved in that and get with his buddy Putin and say, okay, sure, I understand what you're saying. When we get back, you know, the Democrats fully intend to be, they're going to make the January 6th, quote, insurrection. They're going to make that look like a field day in kindergarten when Trump wins. You understand that, right? This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. The carpro.com talk line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. Just as an administrative note, sometimes when you guys send a text, if you send a really long text that exceeds 160 characters, or maybe there's something else you're doing, this thing, it gets broken up into multiple texts. And then I'm trying to read it, and the beginning is in the middle, and the ending is at at the bottom, and the, uh, you know, and the middle of the message is at the top, and I'm trying to figure it all out. And I want to read it, but uh, yeah, maybe a little, a little more uh, brief, if that wouldn't be too, uh, too much to ask. Also streaming live on the WORD Facebook page. If that's your thing, it would actually work if I would, un, you know, if I open that up and let that actually be a thing. There we go. Now we're streaming live on the WORD Facebook page. Democrats have spent the last three years labeling Trump and any other Republican who questioned the the last presidential election as insurrectionist. And they're doing everything they can to try to get him in jail. And there's some of the things they're going to do, like uh, Bragg's case, that that that's inconsequential, inconsequential. Uh, Wow. Text line. Um, Democrats are ready to do whatever they have to to keep him from being the president in 2024. There's a few few problems, though, and they know it. They know that they cannot steal a blowout. There's just no way to do it. There's just no way to do it. With with that many votes that are going to be coming in, and it's going to be big, uh, it's, it's, you know... I think when uh, when Biden, when they held the Democratic primary here in South Carolina, I think 123,000 Democrats voted for him. 
I don't remember the number. But whatever it is, I think Trump got like <clears throat> six or seven times the vote for it. And he beat Nikki, of course, you know, <clears throat> whatever. Biden is baggage. Biden is baggage. That's that's the new catchphrase for the Democrats. Biden is baggage. And uh, Trump is demonstrating that not only can he win, he's probably going to win. And here's the problem. All of this basically, you know, Illinois threw him off of their ballot now, Colorado. All these places that have thrown him off the ballot, uh, this is all going to get some it's all going to get decided by the Supreme Court because judges don't get to do this. This is this is something else altogether. That's a whole other thing, that whole 14th Amendment thing. So if the courts don't do their bidding, what are the Democrats to do? <laughs> the only problem here for the Democrats now is we've all known for the longest time that they project. And in the event of President Donald Trump President number 47, the Democrats are going to go full on insurrection. They're going to, you know, um, I've seen the video of what was going on there. It did not seem to me to be like the most, uh, I certainly wouldn't have not, got, not gotten involved in all of that. I don't see the point of doing that in what is supposed to be a protest. If you're not there to actually, you know, you know, if you're not going big, go home, right? And then you, or, or you have something like this happen that happened with January 21st. There's some that are saying they might not certify the vote of the Electoral College. And then there's a whole thing about the Democrats winning control of Congress in November. And that's something that could happen even if Trump also wins the presidency. They could succeed where the GOP failed and overturned the election. However, there are shortcomings to that one as well, which the rank and file, even the Swalwells and the Shifts know the peril that comes with that. Because there for a moment, some of the, those guys were petrified. They were like, what's going to happen now? This is not what I'm, this is not what I'm, a, I, this is not what I know how to do. I, I, I lie for a living. I don't know how to fight people. And the Democrats are not going to be stopped by being charged with hypocrisy. They want to do anything they can to stop Trump and uh, from taking office. And if you haven't, if you think that that's not what they're going to do, then you haven't been paying attention. And it is inconceivable that even a clear defeat in the November election would prevent them from using every means at their disposal to overturn such a result. Except that's going to be uh, problematic, like I said. Now, during the January 6th thing, we had the New York Times and the Post and the Atlantic and the Guardian and the New York Magazine. They all were unhinged. They were scared because of what they saw. They believed what they were told. They believed the edited video, even though they had, uh, they had access to unedited video. And uh, all this hyperbole about defending democracy wasn't just disingenuous. It was also a matter of projection. All of this lawfare campaign being thrown at Trump and anybody else that's around him, 
You got in New York State, the whole real estate nonsense with Ann Gurin, that's stupidity. And right now, Kathy Hochul's having to run around saying this is not what really happened, okay? We just were going after Trump. So a lot of people have a good reason to fear a Trump victory. Trump's leading even in the real clear politics average of surveys. And that's, uh, I used to follow them, except they became sort of leftists themselves. Now, according to Atlantic staff writer Russell Berman, the key to overturning a Trump victory at the ballot box is for the Democrats to win back control of the Congress and then just not certify the Electoral College results. 1988 was the last time the Democrats accepted a presidential election loss without attempting to overturn the results. And since then, every Republican victory has been questioned by both the Democrats and the conspiracy theorists on the left. Uh, the most notoriously partisan Democrats out there are saying, and I'm talking about Schiff and Swalwell, Raskin said he would consider it, but even those guys are, the other guys, they are, uh, they think that would be a bridge too far to go. And they're correct. (laughs) And in all of the blue American cities where the Black Lives Matter and Antifa are flourish, there's going to be a lot of violence happening there. But no matter how much America burns following a Trump win on November 5th, you can count on Washington to be swarming with angry leftists and liberals next January. And they're going to put the Stop the Steal rally of 2021 to shame. So, should they vote not to certify the election that Trump had won, this would create a murky constitutional debate about what follows after that. But this would be about the same as an Electoral College tie addressed in the 12th Amendment and would likely mean the election would be thrown to the House of Representatives for a decision. And there, each state delegation would have one vote to decide the presidency. That's only happened after the 1800 and 1824 elections. And they would be limited in their choices to those who want Electoral College votes. But at that point, the result might be political chaos since Electoral College members would have to have been free to vote as they liked then there's always a chance they couldn't resolve that by January 21st when a president has to be sworn in. So then the Senate has to elect a vice president who would serve as president, and then again, there again, a Democratic majority could elect Biden or his running mate, but the wording of the 12th Amendment, which says that no person constitutionally ineligible to the office of president shall be eligible to that of vice president of the United States, raises the possibility of them choosing someone who had not been on the ballot, just like the whole fantasy league option like Michelle Obama, for example. I mean, somebody's going to have to tell her that they want her to run because she really doesn't want to run. And that's just one scenario, okay? And it's a very far, it's a, it's a, it's a way out there scenario because doing this, all this stuff about insurrection and everything, uh, this, would be, this would be something altogether different. While the insurrectionists are trying to beat their way into the Congress, all of a sudden a bunch of people will materialize behind them that we're not thinking in their same pattern. And then things, things get real interesting. When we get back, L.A., I talked about this earlier, they're hiring illegal border crossers as uh, police officers. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD.
carpro.com talk line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. For those of you that are of this persuasion, tomorrow at 4 p.m. at the, uh, let's see, this is at 375 Garvin Road in Liberty, American Legion Riders, Chapter 151. It's going to be bike night. And I've been to one of those. And if you like motorcycles, well, this is the place to be because there's lots of motorcycles there for you to look at. In addition to the food and the drinks and the raffles and just the all-around good time um, that is to be had there. I've been to one of those. It is a great event to go to. All those veterans, all those guys sitting there riding their bikes, coming in, hanging out. It's, it's, a, good, it's a good time. The address again, 375 Garvin Road in Liberty. This is American Legion Post 151. That starts at 4. LAPD is hiring illegal border crossers with deferred action for childhood arrival status. And then they offer them guns. <laughs> they, they issue them guns, and they, they get out there and they say, uh, hey, uh, now, now, that you're, uh, now that you're a cop, here's a gun. And you get to be in charge of American citizens here in California. Now, the 2012 DACA order indefinitely delays the deportation of uh, illegal border crossers who enter the United States claiming to be minors. They do not start becoming a U.S. citizen unless they apply for a green card. That's why many of them seek endless DACA renewals that allow them to continue working in the United States while still foreign citizens and admitted border lawbreakers. And, of course, they are remitting while they do it. Until recently, California only allowed U.S. citizens and lawful permanent residents in the process of obtaining citizenship to serve as law enforcement. But that all changed because in California, uh, nothing ever is allowed to stay the way it was, even if it was halfway okay. So they passed a law authorizing that any of the hundreds of thousands of illegal border crossers, including DACA recipients, who obtain work authorization to join police forces across the state. Now, some cities, Sacramento being one, refused to hire them due to concerns about gun law violations, which, by the way, it's a big one. It's a big one. Captain Robin Patello told uh, Cal Matters that illegal border crossers will possess department-issued firearms on and off duty. <laughs> and uh, they're trying to carve out what is necessary for them to be traded on the same basis, right? But the whole part of the Second Amendment where it says the right of the people, right? The people, according to American court precedent, refers to a U.S. citizen only. And a Democrat law, the 1968 Gun Control Act, also prohibits illegally present foreign citizens from possessing firearms and ammunition. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled in 2017 that DACA does not exempt illegal border crossers from the gun law. Now, as it is with all things, there is an exception which allows for illegal border crossers to possess guns for the use of the United States or any department or agency thereof or any state of any department, agency, or political subdivision thereof. And that means that this federal provision technically provides any local or state government office, even if they don't have a law like California's to arm illegal border crossers. Now, I, of course, I have what I would consider to be a very clear-cut uh, 
idea of what I think about this very stupid, short-sighted thing they're going to do here. So in the case of the LAPD, a criminal foreign citizen who doesn't have the constitutionally secured right to bear arms but was hired by the U.S. Police Department can arrest and even disarm a U.S. citizen who does have Second Amendment rights. What could possibly go wrong, right? What could possibly go wrong with this? (laughs) I'm sure you're asking the same thing. I am. And, you know, I mean, it's it's better now to be a illegal immigrant now, isn't it? I mean, nobody's handing me a, a debit card for ten thousand dollars a month. Nobody's ever come to me and said, "Oh, you're illegal anything." Here's a job. Here's some free transportation and some shelter. Welcome. No one is illegal. We don't have borders. You're we're all citizens under God, right? Yeah. That's the only time they ever get Christian is whenever it serves their purpose. <laughs> I guess, listen, I, here's the thing with this that I see with these states that are blue states like this. In the event of them trying to get all insurrectiony over uh, Trump, those are the places that are going to burn. And I strongly suggest that, you know, in these states like this one, as muddled and messed up as it is, uh, that we sit back and we watch this with cl- and pay close attention to it. That, that's the big thing. we got to pay attention to this because they're going to try to they're going to try to uh, they're going to try to export this to the other states. So, I just saw this, and I mean, I, this is uh, this is not the smartest thing we've ever done by by any stretch of the imagination. And I keep thinking about Nidal Hassan. He was the guy that shot up Fort Hood. I don't know. I don't remember his citizenship status. He was Muslim. Um. And whatever it was, his ideology and his culture or whatever culture he had adopted was not conducive to military life. So uh, he went out and he got his gun and he shot up a bunch of soldiers because soldiers aren't walking around on military posts in the United States carrying weapons. Very far from it. Weapons are very tightly controlled on a military base. Very tightly controlled. The generals don't want the soldiers to be to be uh, armed on post. They don't. They just don't. So we keep seeing these examples of foreign culture being forced on us, foisted into our midst. And then we keep seeing examples of it not working and it getting really bad. And, uh, and, and we simply, we simply uh, think nothing of it, I guess, right? Simply think nothing of it. Well, since I've been beating on you all this week about what's probably going to happen in the United States, I'm going to give you an example when we get back of what you should be preparing to do. 
This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. We are going to, uh, we're going to have a terrorist attack here inside the United States soon. And I'm going to tell you about an incident that occurred in Israel that reminds me very much of being in front of the shops at Green uh, at Green Ridge. Okay. There, uh, there was an incident where one Israeli was murdered and eight others were wounded as they sat in stationary vehicles in a traffic jam near a checkpoint that separates the West Bank from Jerusalem. Now, prior to October the 7th, they had about the same sort of uh, gun rights as they have in Scranton, not Scranton, Scranton's a bad, Trenton, Trenton, New Jersey, or Brooklyn, New York, which is to say not many. And of course, you didn't hear about this in the Western press. No, didn't hear about this. Traffic jams are routine, and they have this tendency to numb you to what's going on around you. And it can represent a real hazard to just being. And here's the thing. <laughs> uh, the best thing you could possibly do, if we were if we were really aware of this, we would all leave a car length in front of us and a car length behind us. And then if something like this happened, we would actually have maneuver room to get out of the way. But that never happens now, does it? Whoever's behind me is going to get right up on my bumper. And if I don't pull up right up on the bumper in front of the one in, you know, the one I'm behind, somebody's going to pull in behind me and obscure two lanes. Or pull in in front of me, rather. So um, this is what makes traffic jams so bad. Of all the things where we get out there and we just drop all pretense of being aware of what's going on, traffic jams. Traffic jams. So... Um, and uh, I, I don't have to get, you know, I, some of you guys don't give the Democrats no ideas when it comes to terror attacks. Sorry, they're way ahead of you. And we're not talking about the Democrats at the moment, though. So whenever you get into a traffic jam, first thing you need to think about is I need to be aware of what's in front of me and what's behind me all the time. All the time. So when this attack kicked, we had three Islamic terrorists who were positively identified. They converged on the scene in two vehicles. They gave their little signal. They got out and they started shooting on foot. They had one American M4, probably obtained through Afghanistan. And, uh, well, they started going to town. And it would have been much worse had it not been for a couple of armed and trained civilians. One was a young Israeli army reservist on leave, and uh, he was in the middle of a traffic jam when, when it started. He was in the car with his parents. So he saw what was happening, just got right out of the car, drew his weapon, and gunned down one of the terrorists. He was wounded because, well, you know, if you get into a gunfight, that is going. there's a possibility that you're going to be shot. So his injuries were not life-threatening, and uh, he was trying to to uh, shoot and move. But a second terrorist was similarly shot and killed by another armed and ready Israeli citizen. And uh, the third terrorist took off. And when the cops got there, and they were pretty quick on the scene, they wounded him, and he died a short time after being evacuated. Israeli National Security Minister Itamar Ben-Gavir, who arrived on the scene, 
used these circumstances to promote his policy of arming and training Israeli citizens so they can likewise unilaterally protect themselves during these kinds of terror attacks. And he said, I think today everyone understands that guns save lives. So what can we take from this? What kind of a lesson should you learn from this? Number one, traffic jams, especially predictable ones. Predictable ones are easy, lucrative targets for terrorists, as we see. Crowds of people. Not all traffic jams are avoidable, but most are. And what happened in Israel can happen here, Europe, UK, wherever. Number two, if you're in the vehicle, keep moving around. Your vehicle is going to give you a little bit of a little bit of protection as long as you stay inside it and keep moving. If you sit for a protracted period in a vehicle that isn't moving, that is extremely dangerous. Keep your vehicle in good running order and have enough gas to be able to stomp on it and take off as fast as you can. Like you're trying to get out, you know, you're trying to go back in time, like in Back to the Future. Routinely carry a weapon, maybe two. I carry, when, when I'm away from the house for longer than I can get back in 45 minutes, I have both a long gun and a handgun on me. And I have trained myself. I've made it my business to keep bare and use safely. So the, the smart people are going to go armed. Number five, personal safety is 95% prevention and avoidance, and that is not in dispute. Yes, the Taurus G3 or 2 is a good budget pistol, although I would go with the G3. So if you have to get out there and defend yourself in the middle of a, if you're in the middle of gunfire, don't dither, don't apologize, don't second guess yourself. You're going to have to make an immediate and precise application of lethal force right now, right now. And you won't get a second chance to correct your lack of indecisiveness if you get noticed. So look at the stark reality and prepare, okay? As Gandhi, you know, the, the, the pacifist Gandhi, when faced with a choice between violence and cowardice, always choose violence. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD, the voice of the Carolinas.